Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come together this morning and fellowship, Lord, in the presence of our King. Lord, I pray, God, that you would feed us this morning, O God, from the Word, and Lord, that you would use me as a mouthpiece for the Holy Ghost. Give us the spiritual ears that we need to hear your voice in this Word today. Give us the spiritual eyes, Lord, that we need to see the path that you lay out before us and give us the godly wisdom we need, Lord, to walk in that path. And we thank you and we praise you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I want to talk to you uh, this morning for just a few moments before we really get into the Word today uh, about America and what's going on. There has been a tremendous decline in Christianity in America in the past ten years. There has been a decrease in men by 12% and an increase in those that are called unaffiliated by 10%. 11% of women have decreased. And unaffiliated is plus 10. By the silent generation, which is from 1928 to 1945, there's only been a 2% decrease and a plus 1% increase on the other side. Baby boomers, there has been a 6% decrease in Christianity and a 4% increase in the unaffiliated. Generation X, from 65 to 80, there has been an 8% decrease and a 6% increase on the unaffiliated side. The millennials, from 81 to 96, uh, is 26% decrease in Christianity and 13% on the other side, which is actually more than that. It declares 16%, but another place says 26%. In the people that have college education, college graduates are 13% decrease. Uh, less than a college education is 11% decrease. In America, the Northeast has had a 15% decline. Mid Midwest is 10% decline. The South is a 12% decline. And the West is a 9% decline. 26% is the number that the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, is what they call themselves, that where they worship no God, don't believe in a God, don't need no God, have grown in 26% from 2007. Now, I was looking at an article which said America really... There are those that, that believe America was never really a Christian nation. That's exactly my belief. Uh, 
Why? Because our government and society have long made choices and embraced values that are difficult, if not impossible, to square with Christianity. So an end of any association between government and Christianity uh, is is actually a welcome thing in a lot of in a lot of people's opinion. Likewise, the proportion of Americans who actually practiced Christian faith in any meaningful, life-altering sense, which is exactly what Christianity must be. If Christianity is not altering your life, it's not Christianity, folks. Period. If if this book is not changing everything in your life. It's not it's not working. So likewise the proportion of Americans who actually practice Christian faith in any meaningful life altering sense was always substantially lower than the proportion who identify as Christians in a poll. As we talk about a lot. There are many, many people that claim to be Christians that are absolutely not Christians. And what we're seeing is less of a mass deconversion than a a long a long belated uh, honesty. People are just getting more honest with themselves. So Other Christians, especially on the political right, respond to the shift with sadness and alarm and outright fear. And it's not mere selfishness, mere worry over loss of political or cultural power, though certainly that is a factor for some. But if you believe, as people of faith generally do, that your religion communicates a a necessary truth about God the universe, humanity, the purpose of life, and how we should live it, then a precipitous decline in that religion is inherently a horrible thing with eternal implications for millions, and that's a fact. So, this world is, is abandoning. Christianity. And we are past the point of no return by a long shot. We are also in a place in which is what we've been talking about in this Choices sermon that we're going back to today, this morning. Uh, But uh, as the Lord continues to give me more and more and more in this message, uh, there's just so much to look at. So much to look at. And the more that, uh, man, the more that uh, God, God just gives this to me, it's just, uh, it, just, it just is mind-blowing how clear it's becoming. Can you not see God clarifying His Word to you more and more? Can you see him turning it up more and more all the time? And, you know, even things that we once thought, well, no, not really. Now we're like, wow, wow. 
You know, as I begin to look and, and see, and I, and I try not to as much as possible because it just it, it, it's just no good coming from it, other than other than what the Lord reveals to me in it. But uh, I try to avoid as much as I can uh, the political arena right now because it's just so it's it's just so unrealistic. It's just so crazy that it just it just it just blows my mind, and so I try to avoid it, but. What I, I, I was looking at here recently and, and what the Lord has been speaking to me about concerning all this stuff that's going on in the world today. We want things easier. We want things easier, but they must get worse. To get to the end. We cast our votes to preserve life. And make things easier and better. We vote for freedom. But God prophesied we would be in prison. Brother, give me 2 Timothy 2, 4. We vote to preserve our life. But folks, God is not trying to preserve our lives. This is why God is bringing this message. When the Lord really began to speak to me about this in... Uh, and he's been talking to me about it, but he really began to speak about this kind of stuff and said, you know, this is why you need to get your eyes off of these things because man, man seeth not as I see. I'm not looking at what you're standing in right now. I am trying to bring you to where you need to be for my return. And until these things are fulfilled, I cannot come back for my people. These things must come to pass. The Bible says that no man, we know this thing well, no man that warreth. What is our war? No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. But now the Lord brought this to me. How many times have we seen this? How many? There's no telling how many times we've, we've, we've looked at this Scripture and rehearsed this Scripture and gone through it and studied it. But let's take a look. Let me show you what the Lord showed me this time. He said, but the, the part you're not emphasizing here on this, He said, but... Your life is not for you. Your life is for me. Your life is about me. It's all about me. It has nothing to do with you. No man that warreth entangleth himself 
with the affairs of this life. Why? That He, the man, may please who? Him. The Lord said, your life's not about pleasing you. Your life is to be pleasing to me. Your life is about pleasing me. What pleases me is the question God poses to me. What pleases me? Those that keep my word and keep my commandments. It's not about whether you like it or whether you don't like it. You have no choice. If you are going to be my servant, you will do as you're told in the word of God and you will follow my commandments. And the word of God is his commandments. And he said, I have warned you that no man that warreth, no man that is in my army, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life around you. And it's not about pleasing you. Why? Because you need to please me, who chose you to be a soldier. I chose you to be a soldier. I chose you out of this world. I'm going to bring you home to a place you can't even understand. You cannot comprehend it. I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into your heart the things that I have laid up in store. But you have attached yourself to this life below. You have molded yourself and shaped yourself in the image of Satan. You have delivered yourself into bondage again and again. And I have called you out of that bondage, out of darkness, into my light, the light of my Word. And I give instructions to my people. This is a wilderness that you know not your way through it. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. This is why everybody's walking around in blindness. And when they blind, when the blind lead the blind, they will stumble and know not at what they stumble. But you are not in darkness. I have given you the light of my word and I lead my people by the hand through the darkness in this world and this wilderness below. I know the way through. Do not depend upon your wisdom and yourself to get you through it. You will not make it. It is to please Him. We are soldiers... Because if you're going to serve Him in this land, you're going to have to be a soldier. You're going to have to be a soldier. What do soldiers do? They abandon everything they had ever been taught. They abandon everything they used to believe. And they realize that they have no choice any longer. Their choices are made for them. Why? Because the one making the choices has been there, done that, and He is leading you according to wisdom. He's absolutely in charge. Okay, brother. Now, we are to please Him. The Lord said that we would be in prison, that we wouldn't be free. We, when, we, when we go and we, we cast our votes, why do we cast our votes? We cast our votes. 
we cast our votes to preserve our life. To preserve our lives and the life of our children, the life of our grandchildren and all that kind of stuff. But if you believe what that Word said right there, the Word of God says nothing about in this day and time to live on and, and, to, and to prosper. To live well and prosper. Our lives as Christians is about preparation to go home. To leave this life. Not to preserve the life. And you have to understand. You say, well, I want to preserve it. I want to preserve it for my children. Or my grandchildren. Is that right? Well, let me ask, let me drop a thought in your mind. Let me drop a thought in your mind. Listen very carefully to me this morning. As the Lord began to speak to me yesterday about this. He said, well, let me ask you a question, son. Were it better that you should... Help me here, Lord. Were it better that this should all come to a head now? While you live... While you live, if these things come to pass now, what chance do your children and grandchildren have to make right choices and do right things to prepare themselves in the wake of this destruction to make heaven and be ready to meet me when I come? Or how better would it be that after you are dead and gone, that your children and their children will make the right choices? Do they have a better chance then? Or perhaps you want to kick the can even further down the road so that you can die in, in, in peace and harmony. You can die and everything's okay. You're ready to meet me. But your children then are going to be uh, 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 tasked with the burden to make sure that their children and their grandchildren are ready to go. How much more ready would they be without you than with you? Is Christianity in this land on the rise or on the decline? What chance do they have of knowing the truth? Look at this statistic here. Look at this scenario. You know not to take that chip. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's even people, even people that truly have known this all their life that are questioning it right now because they know it's coming. And they know that without it, you will not buy or sell because they can see, not, not talking about Bible, but they can see clearly that at some point down the road, not too long off, you're going to have to have this thing or because it's going to be a cashless society. How many voices in the land have you heard saying, that's not the chip? The Christians are saying it's the chip, but it's not the chip. Before long, there's not going to be anything left but Generation X and everything beneath it. Everything past Generation X, there will be no Christianity whatsoever. None. So the question is, do you, will, do you really want to preserve life? Do you really want to kick this can down the road and put it on your children's lap? Do you really want to put it on your grandchildren? who by the time they're grown will not even know Jesus ever existed, they'll laugh it off like it's a joke because it's being removed 
every day. Even the ones that are under you, even your children, my children. They don't follow what I follow. They don't believe like I believe. Any their age that do believe Christianity, even ones that are preachers, don't believe like we believe. But I can tell you I'm right. I'm right. That's a fact, Jack. But you see, how much more so after you're dead and gone, how much more so will they allow leaven into the lump? And then as they pass it on, how much more leaven will be in that lump? And how much more leaven will be in that lump? What holds that book true right there is God Himself, the one that wrote it, which has long since left this earth. But the only way that Word has remained was from a chosen few that were man enough to hold it fast and not change it. But I'm going to tell you right now, I cannot tell you how many people that I have met in my life and met in my church that have tried every way they could to justify what they're doing and to change the message in this pulpit to meet their needs or what they want. How much more so? Remember Moses? Remember what Moses said? He said, I know, after I'm gone, you people are going to go all 500 different directions. Was he wrong? He was spot on right, wasn't he? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what this world is going to be like if the Lord tarries and we're gone? Can you imagine how they're going to hold the line? Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. That doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's going to come and say, Hi, I'm Jesus. But there are many standing in the pulpit today in their shorts, flip-flops, or their T-shirts, or blue jeans, supposed to be a pastor and a shepherd leading the flock. Ain't got a Bible on the pulpit. Maybe has a couple of books or two or three books or maybe none at all. And if he does have some, it certainly ain't no King James Bible. But he says, Hi, I'm, I'm a representative of Jesus. I'm here for my King, Christ. Now, he ain't going to say Jesus because he'd fall out and die in the pulpit if he said that. But he'll say Christ. I'm Christ. I'm with Christ. He sent me here. How much money you got? Okay, well, you're already in heaven. Take three with you because you got so much heaven going on with you, you. You're already in. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must what? What's it say? All these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Why are we trying to push this down the road? Why are we trying to 
preserve this life. To what end? To what end do we try to kick the can down the road? So that, so that you can make a better life for your children and grandchildren? Think about this. What chance do they have once you're gone? How many times have you seen young people doing things that they ought not do, and you told them, hey, you don't need to be doing that? Why not? Well, because the Bible says you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, well, my goodness, now, it doesn't mean that, and it don't mean that. Now, see, you're just taking it too serious, and, you know, it's not, I don't mean it that way. God knows my heart, and, you know, why ain't you in church? Why are you missing church? Well, you know, it's a, a you know, a God knows my heart, and, you know, I mean, how many times have you heard that garbage? Well, let me ask you a question. Who's going to tell them after you're gone? Who's going to tell them that when you're gone? Who's going to hold the line? Who's going to hold them accountable? Where will the line be drawn once you are gone? So is this something we really want to kick the can down the road to? Somebody's got to do it. He said... You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, but these things, all they must come to what? To pass. They're going to have to be passed already. But the end is not even yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for His name's sake. So, if we're hated for His name's sake, that's people that are specifically called by His name. Then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Oh, let me tell you something. As I've said before, this, this love fest that's going on in the world today, it's only because you're not, you're not in it, you're not, a, in a, you're not abrasive. Once you become abrasive, how many of you know the Word of God turned you in some sandpaper? Isn't that right? How many of you know you're getting more abrasive every time you come to this church? That's right. You're doing things right now you never thought you'd do. You're doing things right now you said you never would do. God is getting His people ready. God is detaching His people from this world. And He's doing it not to your peril but to your victory and to your gain. Many shall be offended and betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Man, you've seen that everywhere you go, everywhere you look. All right? And because iniquity shall abound, 
The love of many shall wax cold. You know what? People don't trust anybody anymore. Why would you need to trust them? Why would you trust anybody anymore? You can't trust nobody. You can't trust anybody that's not in the kingdom of God. You can't trust anybody. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I can relate to that. I used to have a lot more love for people than I have now. I used to trust more people than I trust now. I used to believe more people than I believe now. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So, let me ask you a question. When the Bible tells us that we're going to be in prison... What does it mean? Does that mean iron bars? or Does that mean we're going to be in iron bars? It could mean, I mean, you know, at some point, we, we certainly, some of us will be in prison. They will kill us and different things like that. That's why they built all these prisons around here. If you, In case you didn't know it, there's prisons everywhere, everywhere that you have no idea, even there. You've passed them several times and didn't realize it. There's some of the biggest prisons that's ever been in the entire world. There's one in Alaska built way up there, and, and they wouldn't even use local people to build it. It's built so far up, man, you can't even get to it. But by plane. They brought in government people to go up there and build it. It's one of the biggest prisons there ever been in the world. Right in the middle of Alaska. All these prisons and these build, that's been built in America and all these prison camps, I've told you before, they're all on train tracks. Just like Stockholm, just like Germany was. But does not necessarily just mean that. When it says that we're going to be prisoned, we're going to be in prison, that we're not going to be delivered from this, we're going to be in prison. It's not about preserving your life. Well, Christianity is in prison now. There's a whole lot of places you can't even preach what I'm preaching today, period. California, for the longest time, has been... They're the least in America as far as Christianity goes. Their, their number, I think... Well, they're not the complete least, but they're, they're down there pretty far. Uh, but, uh, but they've been trying to take the name of Jesus out of the pulpit for years. They're trying to bring all this to a one-world religion. So let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Knowing what the Bible says, Brother Quick, you're a planner. You've been in planning all your life with your job and all that. Let me ask you a question. How would you get us from where we are right now to where the Bible says we've got to be for the Lord to come back? How would you do it? It is a hard one, isn't it? That's how God posed it to me. 
Well, what I'm asking you here is, how would you take us? How, what stages or what things would you do and how quickly would you do it or how, or how far would you stretch it out to get us from point A to point B? Because we have to be, we have to be in position for the Lord to return. Okay? So how many generations would you, would you take us from where we are right now to the end of all this mess? Yeah. Okay, but let me ask you this. Is that how you would do it? One more generation? Okay, but let me ask you a question now. Okay, put yourself in that position. Let's go back to where you're God for a minute, okay? Give me some of the reasons why you'd do it now. All right, but now come from a come from a compassionate uh, 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 standpoint. Oh wait a minute! Oh, now you can't you can't abandon. You got to have compassion, but you can't abandon. You can't abandon the word. But let me help you. Let me help you. Let me drop a thought in your mind right here. If you had a dog, and you knew that dog was suffering, you had a choice. Would you allow that dog to continue to suffer? You know what? Let me drop this thought in your mind right here. If God brings this thing to a quick end, the few that still have a chance to make it can still get in. But if it goes on much longer, no man shall be saved. Remember what the Bible said, if the days shall not be shortened, no flesh shall be saved. We're almost to this place right now where there's not, there's not anything. There's not anybody left out there. But you know what? If you've got children and grandchildren, and you've got great-grandchildren, and you've got, you got people that mean a lot to you, if there's ever going to be a chance for them to make it, my prayer is, God, come quickly. Because maybe when these things start to implode, there will still be enough God left here to draw them out of darkness into this light. And maybe you'll still be able to be there to guide them when they say, Oh my God! Oh my God! It's coming! I never thought it was going to happen like this! I never thought it was going to... Oh my God! Oh, oh my God! Did you hear what just happened? Oh my God! Did you see what just happened? Oh my God! Did you... Oh no! I never thought to... Lord, it can't be right, right now! I'm still young! I mean, I've got my whole life! My children! My babies! I mean, I get... You know. But then they can come to you and say... Pop, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What do I need to do? Is this really happening? Is this really happening, Mom? I mean, is this really the end? Praise God, you'll still be there to say, yes, it is. 
And I know this looks bad, but I got some good news. Fear not. Because not only is God still with you, but so is Daddy. So is Mama. I'm here. I got you, son. I got you, daughter. I got you, grandchildren. Grandma and Grandpa's still here. We're strong enough. Come on. Let's get in here and hang on. God is on the way. We're still together. We're going to make this. You can do it. You can do it. They need us because we are the last line of defense for them. Satan has almost completed his battle. He has almost come to the place where anybody that will stand for this truth will be gone and they will not be able to endure. But praise God for seasoned veterans. Praise God for seasoned soldiers that have been taught and that have been trained in the art of spiritual warfare. Oh, praise the Lord for those soldiers that God has raised up in the last days to be a beacon of light to those that need it so badly. Even in the midst of war, there's still going to be people that don't want it. But hopefully, and prayerfully, those that are around us will see our strength and see that light. And God can use. Why do you think He's been doing this, church? Why do you think He's been raising you up? Why do you think He's been strengthening us? Why do you think He's taken all that filth off of us? Why do you think He's purifying us? Because that light needs to shine brightly so that they can see it clearly and know that it is the lighthouse in the midst of this storm. Let me tell you something. There's a difference in us in the normal right, uh, uh, a lighthouse. A lighthouse warns people to stay away from the rocks. But we are quite the opposite. We are a lighthouse that shows where the rocks are. We are that lighthouse that says, here is the rock. Get out of the water. Get out of the storm. Come up here where the lighthouse is. There is rock and it is safety right here. Get up out of the water. Get up on this rock. Get up here where this lighthouse is. Amen. Where God can show you what's going on. Get out of the storm. Church, I want you to listen for a minute. The Lord said, Let this cup pass from me. Remember? But he followed it immediately and said, Nevertheless, 
not my will, but thy will be done. Church, as I've been looking around and looking at all this politics in the air, it's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I've never seen anything remotely close to what's going on in this life. It's very hard. It's very hard to comprehend that we are here where we're at today. But as I begin to see all of these things going wrong, and God has been just continually speaking to me about this stuff, We want to preserve life because it's our nature. Nothing wants to die. Nothing wants to die. Nothing wants to perish. Nothing wants to live in, 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 in captivity. Nothing wants to be bound. Nothing wants to be tied down. Nothing wants to, to be ruled over and, and treated in a terrible way. So it's our nature to want to preserve life and to want to Make life better for us and those around us. And we want to run to that. But it's written. It is written. These things must come to pass. And though Jesus, the flesh side of Jesus, wanted to preserve His life, He knew what was coming. He didn't want it. And in a plea to avoid it, He said, if it be possible... Father, let this cup pass from me. But remember what we saw the other day? Remember when the Lord told His mother, It's not time. And what did His mother say? If not now, when? Remember when Jesus was the little boy and He said to His mother, and she said, What are you doing? Would you Know you not that I must be about my father's business? But it's not time yet. And He said, If not now, when? And remember all the years later, she returned that same phrase to Him. Church, Jesus didn't want to die. Because that flesh wanted to live. But if he hadn't died, how many people would have perished that would have never had a chance to make heaven? And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And that's the way I see what's going on in this world today. I have a way that I look at things because I'm in this flesh. And I cannot see as my king seeth. God is looking upon the whole scenario. I'm looking at as far as my eyes can see what's in front of me and that which is around me. But our our approach to this must be, Lord, this is what I would like to see happen, but nevertheless, not my will but Thy will be done. Lord, if, if this is the generation, God, bring it. 
Lord, and help me not to help me not to fight against you, Lord. Help me not to do anything and make any decision that would fight against what you're doing. Help me, Lord, to make right choices and to do right things. Give me wisdom. I pray that God would give me wisdom. I need wisdom in these last days. I can't make it without godly wisdom. The Bible says it's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. I need Him to lead and guide me. I need to know what God wants from me. What God expects from His people. So that I can teach you what it is that your King wants us to be doing. I don't want anything we do to hinder what God's doing. I don't want to speak against God or to do anything against what He's doing. Because what He's doing is right. His will is what we need to seek not our own. The kingdom, the preservation of the kingdom is what we need to be is what we need to be concerned with, not the preservation of life or this land or this country or this liberty, not the preservation of man, not the preservation of things. God, listen, we're trying to preserve it and prolong it. God is trying to bring it to an expected end and de- and delete it. God is trying to destroy this land according to His Word because His Word declares He will. He's just doing what His Word says He will do. And it's all... Have you seen anything in the Bible, anything in the world that hadn't lined up with the Bible? Have you seen anything that doesn't line up with what His Word says? I've not seen anything that does not line up word for word with that that Bible. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Come on, brother. Here he said again. Take heed that ye be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ at the time, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear of wars and and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you. They shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons. We always think about America... When we think of fulfillment of Bible prophecy, because this is our central, this is our central hub. This is our life. This is where our life is. So we always think to that. Jesus was not in America when he spoke these words, and in the land where he was at, this is already happening and been happening for a long time. The synagogue of Satan is 
the Muslim world. And they've been delivering Christians up to the synagogues and in prisons and being brought before kings and rulers for the name of Jesus for a long time. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. The very things that we seek to avoid are the things that will bring the greatest testimony for us and against them. Why? One of the most important things to all those we've been listening to on the Fox's Book of the Martyrs, one of the most important things to the Muslim world because they are from this part of the world, is to be able to die for their king. It was important because that was the ultimate sign that you truly love the one you worship. It was an honor. It's seen as an honor to give your life for your God. He shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts. Not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Let me tell you, folks, when people start coming and asking you about about Christianity and things, if everything starts imploding and coming uh, uh, coming apart at the seams, you don't need to worry about what you're going to say. God will speak. God will speak through you. And you will speak with wisdom, godly wisdom. And you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. See that? Why? Because there's going to be a reward. It's going to be a reward. There'll be some kind of credit system or something that they can, when they turn you in, they're going to get rewarded for it. They're going to get some kind of reward for it. And since you won't comply with what they want, and you are a thorn in their side, and you make them feel guilty about the way they're living, there's going to be a spirit of hatred like has never been. And God is going to harden their hearts. God is going to turn their minds. And they're no more going to think about you with compassion than anything in this world. Remember, remember Judas. Remember Judas? He was standing there one just a moment before. And he said, Lord, am I, is it me? When he said, one of you shall betray me. And he said, Lord, is it me? And he said, Thou hast said. Immediately Satan entered into Judas. He wasn't in Judas at that point. 
But as soon as the Lord spoke it, Satan entered into him right then. And he went. He changed. And he went. And he did what he was designated to do. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. We're already hated. We're already hated. And I mean to tell you, there's some places that really hate this, this kind of walk. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. But there shall not an hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to die. But the Bible said... We will not perish. Didn't the Bible say you'll not perish if you'll have everlasting life? And when ye shall see Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. The desolation of who? The desolation of Jerusalem. The desolation thereof is nigh. They're going to destroy Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it, uh, of it depart out. And let not them that are in the countries enter therein, uh, therein too. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child. This is always really, really struck home with me. What a beautiful picture. Woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. Why did it say woe unto them? Not only, not only to see those children and babies suffer, but what's the chances of them making it? It's going to be so, so hard. If you think it's not, I want you to stop and consider for just a moment. How difficult have you seen it to be to follow Jesus? You're not being threatened with this. How difficult has it been for you to lay aside every weight and sin, the things that so easily beset us, and separate yourself from the entire world just to live this life. How hard has that been? Well, it's just been a cakewalk, a little piece of cake, hasn't it? Easy street to give up just a few things we've given up. Vacations and, and all the niceties and things that we give up and all those things that we abandon and just let go by the way. Why? To give it that time to the Lord and to give our commitment and devotion to the Lord. Now think about those things and what a struggle sometimes those have been. And then think about having to give up food. Think about having to give up water. Think about having to give up we got a baby's crying and, and, and starving or you got babies that are you know that are are being threatened with death being threatened to be killed and dashed into pieces and things like that. Or you can 
you can just deny your faith or just take this. You don't even have to deny your faith. Just take the chip. You can still serve it. This ain't no, this ain't no, this is not the mark of the beast. It's just a chip. It's just a tracking chip. How, how much harder will it be for them to say no? For centuries, powers that be or have been have used children and women to cause men to submit. For centuries, enemies have used children to cause the mothers to submit. Because though they would give their life, they were not willing to give the life of their children. So to save the life of their children, they would submit. And wives, though men may give their lives gladly, but they were not willing to give the lives of their wives or their children so they would submit. You see, all these things are leverage that the enemy can use against people. You see what I mean? That's why we guard ourselves not to give ammunition to the enemy. Remember what Nathan told David. He said, hey, it's not bad enough that you've done this thing with, uh, with uh, uh, Bathsheba, but in that you have also given opportunity for the enemy to blaspheme. See? You give him ammunition to shoot at you with. You're giving him ammunition. And so, this is why the Lord said, Woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. You see? And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, give me Matthew 6.10, brother. Remember how Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Again, as I said before, as the Lord's been speaking to me on this behalf, He said, it's not about your will, it's about my will. You can't see what I'm seeing. You don't know what it is I'm doing, son. You don't need to be praying for your will. You don't need to be striving for your will. You need to be praying and striving for my will. Thy kingdom come. Lord, thy kingdom come. We're kingdom people. We're not a democracy anymore, church. I have a hard time breaking that in my mind because it's been ingrained in me all my life. I have a hard time letting go of that. 
but you cannot serve two masters. And you cannot be your own master of your destiny. If you are not submitted to God and His kingdom, you are submitted to the enemy. Thy kingdom come should be our prayer. Lord, Thy will be done in earth, here, Lord, as it is in heaven. So whatever Your will is, let it be done here in my world. I want Your will. I want what He wants. Because what He wants is what must come to pass. What He wants is what needs to happen to fulfill His Word. Are we not trying to live and fulfill His Word in our lives? Then why do we concern ourselves with the affairs of another kingdom? We either trust Him or we don't. That no matter what the enemy's doing, no matter what's going on around us, we live by a different standard. We live by a different set of rules. We're kingdom people. We live by His rules. As I said a while ago, we it's not in man that walketh, Jeremiah ten twenty three, to direct his steps. O oh Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. If the Lord said right here that it's not even in us, what does it mean to direct his steps? What does that mean? Is this telling us that we're smart enough to <laughs> to do what we need to do? That we're smart enough to make choices about what direction we're going to go? No, it's quite the opposite. All we need to be concerned with is staying in this book right here. This is the path. Walk ye in it. But we can't concern ourselves with everything going on around us because there's always going to be something to distract us. There's always going to be something to take our mind and sight off of God. It's not in Himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct His steps. Amen. Therefore, they must be led by God. Our steps must be led of God. We want peace, but there is no lasting peace here. We say, not now, Lord, but if not now, when? Let's take a look at Paul and Silas. Let me show you how... How Paul's mind 
was changed on the road to Damascus. Paul was not thinking while he and Silas were beaten in the prison down there. He wasn't sitting there thinking, Man, what did I do, Lord? What did I do to deserve this? Huh. Man, my, I'm going to check my covenant. Is my covenant out of tact? God, did I make you mad? Did I... Did I did I uh, 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 zig when I should have zagged? Did I zag when I should have zigged? God, I mean, did I did I say something to disappoint you? Did I miss an opportunity, Lord? Did I? I mean, God, what did I do? I mean, how in the world, God? What one minute I'm, I'm living for you, next I mean, I'm, I'm blazing trails for you, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. God, next thing you know, boom, here I'm a beat up, beat to a pulp, thrown in a deepest dungeon prison down here in a hell hole. What did I do, God? Was he sitting there trying to think of a way to get out of this? Thinking, oh, oh my God, how in the world? How are we ever going to, we're never going to get out of here. That's it. We're done. We're done. That's it for us, man. We're, how in the world man, we're going to get out of this place? God, how can I escape? I'm going to see if we can find a way out of this place. Do you think that's what was on his mind? You know what Paul did in the midst of that terrible, terrible storm? He began to praise God. You know what he found himself in the midst of that dungeon? And he just said, well, okay, God. What you got me in here for? Hmm. Well, I guess you'll show me in due time. Praise Him. Praise Him. Come on, everybody. Praise Him in the morning. Praise Him in the noontime. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him when the sun goes down. Thank you, Lord. Everybody now, you know. I could see His little feet doing this. As they, you know, and Silas joined in. Oh, oh, oh. You know. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> come on, Sister Crick, sing it, you know. But you know what? He wasn't trying to find a way to escape. He he didn't have the mullet grubs. He wasn't sitting there, you know, exhausting himself, trying to figure out what he'd done wrong. He knew he was a servant of God. If I'm where I'm at right now, it's because God wants me here, because I serve Him. I am bought with a price. My decisions are not my own. I'm bought with a price. And wheresoever He wants me, there will I be. And whatever reason He has for me to be there, so be it. Let your will be done, not my will. I'm not going to take one step outside of your will. God, when you want me out of here, you lead me by the hand out that door. Until that takes place, I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to praise you for being here. And I'm going to worship till you come for me. Until I see what the Lord will do. And so the next thing you know, the whole prison began to shake. Even in the midst of when most people would have jumped up, took out as soon as that door flung open, flung off the hinges, out the door he'd have ran, buddy. But he didn't. Why? 
Because God didn't bring him down there to just show him how mighty he was. Paul knew how mighty God was. He didn't need to see whether God could shake a prison off the hinges, knock doors off the hinges and all that. And he knew, because he had the Holy Ghost, that he was not in there just to deliver those prisoners. But he knew. He knew. Because he looked over and he said, mm, Nope, that ain't it. Mm-hmm, nope, that ain't it. Because the Spirit bears witness with itself. And when that jailer came in, Paul wasn't trying to escape. He wasn't trying to rally the troops and get them out the door. Paul was still sitting there going, Okay, God, where's he at? Where's he at? I know there's somebody here. You brought me here for something. Where's he at? Who'd you bring me here for? What'd you bring me here for, Jesus? Show me. When that man came in, he said, Oh, yeah, there it is. I could see that guy walking in there, and I could see Paul looking at him and seeing that beacon of light on him. Saying, Okay, that's the one. About to kill himself. Do thyself no harm, for we are all still here. And God prepared his heart right then. Boom, and he hit his knees and said, I got to have what you got, man. I got to have what you got. Paul said, okay. See, he knew deliverance was on the way. But he had a job to do. And he said, I ain't leaving here until I do my job. I'm not leaving here until what he sent me here for is complete. Paul understood who was in control. And he understood his position. He understood that no matter how much anointing you have from God, no matter how much... God is with you. You belong to Him. And we do nothing outside of that book. That's what God's trying to get us to. Get your eyes and your mind off of this world. It is not your home. Your home is with Him. And wheresoever He leads us, that's where our home is. We must be about our Father's business not the business going on all around us because this is not this is not our home okay brother you know the bible says they that wait upon the lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We need to wait upon the Lord, church. We need to do His bidding. We need to do what He has called us to do and quit worrying about everything else. And you know what? In doing that, that is waiting upon the Lord. That is doing His bidding and that is also being patient to see what the Lord will do. And to see what the Lord would have for His people. We will renew our strength. It's going to be a tough road for a while. But we will renew our strength. And we will one day mount up with wings as eagles. Amen. We will run and not be weary. We will walk and not faint. Praise God. You know, church... The bad thing about kicking the can down the road 
so we don't have to endure it, so we don't have to get our hands dirty or suffer through it. It's just like a bad tooth. If you've ever had a bad tooth, and I have, some of you may have as well, The bad thing about kicking that can down the road is it ain't going to get better. It's only going to get worse. And if you think it's bad now, give it a minute. Oh, but you know they came out with this new thing called Aura Gel. Or Facebook. Same thing. Something to, you know, just... Take your mind off all the pain. Something to just distract you from the pain. But, guess what? When it comes back, buddy, it comes back with a vengeance. Now you done made it mad. The problem with it is, You're going to have to get that tooth out of there. If you don't fix it, you're going to have to remove it. Now, when it first starts giving you a twinge, you could fix it. Well, I don't want to do that. I don't, you know, I don't want to spend the money. I don't want to do that. I don't have the money or whatever situation be. But then you know what? Then it becomes, well, I don't, I don't really want to do it. I don't want to do it. And then next thing you know, you ain't got a choice. Finally gets to the point. To where you're going to go in there and have somebody grab it with pliers or whatever they got to do and snatch it out of there. I don't care. Just just rip the jaw out. I don't care. Just stop the pain. Yeah. I put off a toothache one time, and my little honey bun was off flying around somewhere. I don't know. She flew to Houston or something. And uh, flew to coop. Abandonment. Full-on abandonment. And uh, and I had a I had a toothache, but I put it off. I put a toothache off for you know a couple of days. I knew I knew I needed to go get it tended to, but I put it off, put it off, and then on Sunday, between services, buddy, I had to call a dentist and go to an emergency dentist because it was it was bad enough to make you kill yourself. I mean, tell you, there's toothache pain and back pain is. Oh, it cost me nearly four hundred dollars to get a tooth pulled on a Sunday. But I was happy to—I never in my life happy, more happy to spend four hundred dollars. I'd give him four thousand dollars, man. Just here, either just kill me or get that tooth out of there. I don't care either one. Don't matter. Just do it now, you know. Since man, and I hate—I hate shots in my mouth. He's like, I'm gonna give you a shot. Just give me five. Just come on, get in there with it right now. Quit talking, get busy, you know. He gave me that shot. It was like. <gasps> Huh? That's a tough little boy now. <laughs> I tell you what, man, he he's he got he was all up in that haircut business now, boy. He just yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Anyway, but the, the moral of that story is there ain't no sense putting it off. It's inevitable. The word of God declares it and it's gonna happen, it's coming to pass. 
Now, Paul stayed and endured till he got the job done. Amen. Because he realized God's will be done. It's got to be done, no matter what. And the more, the more that I have been shown on this by the Lord, the more that I've studied it and, and still do. And, and I want this. I want this because if there's anything that has me attached to it, I want to be broken free from it. I don't want anything to have an attachment to me but my God. I don't want anything to stand between me and God. And I do not want to ever be found guilty of fighting against God. I want to do those things that please Him. And I want to be what He wants me to be. Amen. Now, as I said before, everything everything in this life, all of our thinking today is about preservation of life. Making our lives easier or more comfortable. But the kingdom of God has nothing to do with life preservation. Nothing to do with it. Actually, it's quite the opposite. What does the Bible say, brother? Luke 9, 23. He said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. You see that? But yet we still get caught up in this insatiable desire, almost a, 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 a commitment to life preservation as we know it. But doesn't the Word of God expressly tell us otherwise? Doesn't the Word of God tell us that we need to deny ourselves and deny those thoughts of self-preservation and all those things? Matter of fact, living the kingdom of God, living the will of God, living the Word of God is, is completely the opposite. It's not about self-preservation. It's about self-degradation. It's about... It's about denying yourself, humbling yourself. It's about God and Him alone. We are.